Well, we finished our series called Heads or Tails, and uh, we are beginning a new series, and we will pray as soon as I tell you what it's called. The new series is called The End. The End. So let's pray. Is that funny? Yeah. I'm communicating. All right. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Father, that you tell us things ahead of time. And Lord, just bless us, encourage us, help us to get what you've got for us. I know that each one of us here is dealing with different things and and some of us are in a fun place in life. Other people are in a tough spot. Lord, touch each one of us with what we need. We know you can do that by your spirit. So bless us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So it's the end. Dum, dum, dum. We got the graphic up there. That's a dum, dum, dum graphic there, isn't it? That is like, that is Second Peter right there, man. Look at that. Scary stuff. So we finished the heads or tails. Now we're on to the end. And we're going to be talking about basic end times events, end times theology, understanding what goes on there. Now, uh, I am firmly convinced that a rampant problem with Christianity is we know the basics, some of them, but we don't have them down and we want to go on to the next thing. You know, like love your neighbor. We want to argue Calvinism versus Armenianism. We don't have love your neighbor down. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You've got to get the basics first, or you're not going to make any progress. You know, we want to, we, we want to go super far into end times things and figure all this stuff out. I'm not going to pick dates, by the way. If you're thinking, oh, he'll tell me the day so that I can get right with God 15 minutes before Jesus comes. It's not going to happen. Sorry. But we are going to talk about basic things. And if we get those basic things down, then we'll be in good shape, however it turns out. So that's what we're going to do. Come on, we got clapping in this place. That was a bad cue, I guess. That's right. Woo! So, all right. So in line with the idea that we're going to cover the basic truths, here's the topic for today. Are you ready? Here you go. Jesus is coming back. Do you understand this? Jesus is coming back. Most people think you live life, you wait a long time, you die, and you go to Jesus. That can sure happen. But the promise is that He's coming here. That there will be a generation that sees Jesus return. That there will be people who do not die and go to heaven, but heaven comes to us. Man, oh man, Jesus is coming back. So, you heard it here first at Good Hope Church. (laughs) Jesus is coming back. Let's read lots of scripture today. I like reading scripture when I preach because I don't have to worry about whether or not it's from God, whether or not it's anointed, whether or not it's good stuff. We just read the Bible and, and it's good. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. So that's very awesome. All right. 
So we're going to, boy, we're going to read a lot of scriptures today. We're going to look at just kind of a, again, a broad overview of, of this whole idea that Jesus is coming back. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Now what was going on here, I've been covering this in youth group. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had died on the cross. They buried Him. He rose from the dead, but He hadn't ascended yet. There was a period of time where he was hanging out with the disciples and he was doing stuff and showing himself to people, but he hadn't gone to the right hand of the Father yet. He's just sort of like still on earth but resurrected. Kind of an interesting little short period of time over a, a number of weeks. Um, this was happening and this is an account of one of those interactions with the risen Lord before he ascended. And then the ascension also happens in this chapter. So here we go. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them. So Jesus, he's eating. He's risen from the dead. He's hanging out with the disciples and they're, they're eating. It's interesting stuff. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky. I imagine so. You know, first of all, you're having lunch with the guy that was dead. Now he's risen from the dead. You're, you're having lunch with him. And then he tells you some interesting cryptic things that you don't really understand. And he floats up into the sky and he's like behind a cloud. And you're like... I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? So they're, they're looking intently up into the sky. Yeah. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the angels proclaimed to the disciples, okay, he went up into the clouds. The day will come where he comes back. Where? Here, here comes Jesus, riding on the clouds, coming back to us. Wow. Is that, is that exciting? It is exciting. Were you excited when I said we were going to talk about Jesus is coming back? You were? That's great. I'm glad. Because I think a lot of people are getting tired of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. That didn't happen. 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1989. <sighs> All right, well, we're done with that. Let's just give it a couple of years, and then we'll have another prediction that it's going to happen this year. And then, and then let's, like those people from California, you know, they bought all the, the like they convoyed and stuff, and they're telling everybody the end is going to be on this particular day. And 
It didn't happen. And when you hear these things over and over and over, and even if you get excited about it, have you ever gotten excited about it? Like, I think it's going to be tomorrow. I'm pretty sure. And it doesn't happen. It's like Santa Claus not coming. You know? And then you just kind of go down a notch. I think some people are experiencing second coming fatigue. You know, like, well, let's just not talk about this. I mean, it was a heavy... In the 70s and 80s, I think they were talking, I didn't get saved till 88, but they, I think they were talking second coming all the time. Like, be ready. It might happen before I'm done preaching. And not, and not, and it won't be my fault because I got a timer. You know, and they were just, they were very aware Jesus is coming back. Now I think we've kind of gotten tired of hearing that message. But it's an important message to hear, even if we've heard it before. Amen? Amen. I'm glad you're excited about it, by the way. That's really, really good. But just in case there are a few people in here who aren't quite so excited, realize you're in good company. Even in the New Testament, I believe they experienced some second coming fatigue. Because when the angel said to the disciples, yeah, you see, see, he floated away, he's coming back. They were like, today? Like in an hour? What do you mean? Maybe tomorrow. And so they sold all their stuff, and they just hung out together, and they're like, Jesus is coming back. We got nothing to worry about. And it didn't happen that year, and it didn't happen the next year, and then they realized, man, we better write this stuff down. Because... <laughs> He might not come back and we might go to him before this thing is over. So they started writing everything down and then years went by. And so we get this in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 and 4. So Peter is talking, he's talking about the second coming. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Where is this coming? 88 reasons it'll have 1988. 89 reasons it'll have 1989. Whoop-de-doo. Where is it? Scoffers will come. Now, I don't like it when people pick dates because it makes us look like fools. I think it's good to study end times things. Different people have different gift areas, different things that are important to them. Some people, children's ministry is where it's at. Some people, evangelism is where it's at. Other people, worshiping in song is where it's at. Other people, organizing proper bylaws is where it's at, doing the paperwork and all these other things. For some people... End time stuff is their thing. Great. It's awesome. But don't pick dates because then it just makes us all look like fools. And the outside world laughs at us and God is mocked. And that's not a good thing. So, scoffers will come. Let's not give them a reason. Let's not add to that. Let's do the right thing. Now, this stuff took a lot longer than the disciples wanted it to take. 
Do you know how they, they asked Jesus in Acts chapter 1, they said, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to do that now? Is this the gift you're talking about? Because he was talking about the Holy Spirit and all the stuff that happened in Acts chapter 2. But they were thinking Israel was going to be set free from Roman rule. We're going to kick out the Romans. When did that happen? How long did it take from when they asked Jesus, are you going to restore Israel? How long was it? It was, it was over 19 centuries later that that happened. They thought maybe today. 19 centuries later, that part happened. Jesus knew it was going to take some time. He tried to prepare people, but still they got pretty excited about it and they wanted to go forward. So you can get weary of waiting. It's not unreasonable to get your hopes up and then have it not happen. To think, maybe Jesus will come so I don't have to take my history test. <laughs> Jesus does not come, you have to take the test and you're all mad. It can happen. And so Peter continues talking about why is God waiting. Let's go to verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, they have, these are the scoffers. They deliberately forget. Can you deliberately forget something? Have you ever wanted to not do something? And so, oh, just slipped my mind. Wasn't on my calendar. I don't know how I could have missed that. I just forgot. Well, you didn't want to do it, so it wasn't important to you, so you didn't write it down, so you deliberately forgot. You can deliberately forget things. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That sounds a little bit more like the graphic we saw at the beginning. It's going to be harsh. And God wants to give everybody as many opportunities as possible to be able to choose Him now. This stuff can be a lot to sort out. And so we are going to... You can, you can take that off, Seth. We are going to cover three things you need to know about the second coming of Jesus. Three things. If you, can, if you can get a hold of these three things, you'll be, in pretty, uh, pretty, you'll be pretty good. Now, I'm, I'm not one of the end times people. You know how some, I was describing that? I'm not one of them. Uh, I remember early on, you know, asking the Lord, hey, show me about stuff about the, the end times. And I was just like, just sitting there, nothing. You know, just like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any information on that. So I'm not like an end times person. What I, in my heart, what I just thought, you know what? 
Here's what I'm going to do. Now, I was a wrestler, of course, in school. I've mentioned that before. Got this. This is the grip you want. You don't want your thumbs exposed. You know, this is a bad one. You want to curl your wrists and be like this. This is a real good grip. And so when stuff starts getting weird, I'm just going to grab Jesus around the ankles like this and hang on as hard as I can. And then when the dust settles, I'll be in the right place. That's my plan. You don't have to be all that bright to, to end up in the right place, do you? You just hang on. If you know who to hang on to. Because when difficulties happen, some people hang on tighter to Jesus and other people let him go. What are you going to do when difficulties happen? I'm telling you, get the grip down and pull it in. And you hang on to Jesus as hard as you can. Three things, that being said, three things we need to know. Number one, Jesus will be in a different mood this time than He was the first time He came. Jesus will be in a different mood at the second coming than He was at the first coming. Do you remember the first one? Baby in a manger, frail, cute little baby Jesus, poverty, nothing there, just this vulnerable, innocent little baby. And then He grew up, and He's... He's preaching about, you know, reconciliation with God and he becomes a sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. And he's just, he's nice, Jesus. Have you noticed cycles in the Bible between times of mercy and God's grace and then times of judgment? and curse and problems. Have you noticed those cycles? What I mean, you see Adam and Eve, of course, is the first time. Adam and Eve are created by God and it's awesome. And Adam gets to name the animals and they're hanging out with God. And then they eat the forbidden fruit and you've got all these problems and all of a sudden Adam is blaming God for putting the woman there and you got all these all this stuff going on and, and the curse comes and things are hard. And then you see, you see it in the nation of Israel over and over and over again. They seek the Lord, God blesses them. Then they forget about God and the time of judgment comes. Then the, at least they were smart enough to realize, oh, it's going bad. Forgot about God. <laughs> and I reconnect with God. And they would do that and then things would get better. And then it would be a, a time of, of blessing, a time of God's mercy. But then it would cycle through again and there would be loss, there would be pain, there would be judgment, there would be difficulty. One of the things that happens is people don't realize it's a cycle. They think that the particular spot they're at is eternity. That it's always going to be like this. Especially for Christians today. We are existing in a particular dispensation, a particular moment in time where God is being merciful. It won't be like that Forever. This is a short-term situation. When Jesus comes back, He's coming back in a different mood than He did the first time. And it's, it's going to be different. 
Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We'll find out what day it is. Do you know what day it is? Sunday, November 3rd. 218 people day. Get to tell the parent church about. They'll think it's good. There's another day. Another way of understanding what day this is that is much, much, much more significant. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Oh, I hate to skip over that so quickly, um, but I'm not going to focus on it. Can you receive God's grace in vain? Can it be absolutely useless for you? It can. Don't be that person. You can choose. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The Apostle Paul was making sure that the Corinthians understood what day it was. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the mercy of God. Today is the day where we're set free from sin, where God helps us, He loves us more than He should and He lifts us up and all we have to do is ask. Today is the day of salvation. What's the next day? The next day is the day of judgment. Does the day of salvation last forever? No. This is a period of time and it will end. And the thing that will happen after that is the day of judgment. The day of salvation was ushered in by Jesus in a manger. Perfect humility. Perfect grace. Perfect love. The day of judgment will be ushered in by Jesus. And He will come differently. Let's read Psalm 2, 7-9. through 9. <clears throat> This is the, uh, the, basically the prophecy of it. You can read the whole psalm. It's a good one. But we're just going to read a little bit. Psalm 2, 7 through 9, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Do you recognize that? You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Iron scepter or a clay pot Which one wins? The iron scepter destroys, annihilates. It's not even close. This is the picture of the second coming. The first coming was the cross. The second coming is the iron scepter. Jesus is coming back in a different mood. Revelation 19. This is... Uh, this is coming up again. Revelation 19, 11-16. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse. So this is John. He is telling about the vision he got from God, the revelation. There was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. What does he do? He judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. 
The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back in a different mood. Last point on this particular thing. Pottery does not stand up against an iron scepter. This is the day of salvation. In the day of salvation, you can hide from God. It's your choice. On the day of judgment, you cannot hide. There is nowhere you can go. Second point. We are not sure when this will happen, but we can know the season. We're not sure when this is going to happen, but we can look for the signs of the times. We can try to understand. Um, we're going to look at First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> I love the Thessalonian letters because the Thessalonians were advancing in the faith. Paul wrote letters like to the Corinthians, and basically the letters to the Corinthians were, guys, cut it out. You're, you're not doing this right. He writes a letter to the Galatians. The Galatians, guys, cut it out. You're not doing this right. To the Thessalonians, he says, guys, you got it. Do it more. You're getting it. Do it more. So he goes into deeper things with the Thessalonians. It's so much fun to read the Thessalonian letters. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Is this Again, we got that whole thing. It's a, it's a different mood. But you, have you heard that this day will come like a thief in the night before? Yep. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're not in darkness. You shouldn't be surprised by this day. Now, I don't think they knew the day. None of the people that Paul was talking to are alive still. But they wouldn't have been surprised. It's kind of like going to the dentist or the doctor's office. You sit in the, you, you check in, you sit in the waiting room, you get your magazine, you know, car and driver from 1996. You're flipping through looking at the new things that the Celica is, is going to have, you know. And, and uh, you know they're going to call your name. You're ready for it. You're just not exactly sure when. You know, it's going to happen. Just not exactly sure when. So we can know the signs of the times. For example, boy, Israel needed to become a nation. That happened. The Bible says that knowledge will explode. That's happened. Uh, we've got several prophecies that have come to pass. you got the whole thing about the mark of the beast where you can't buy and sell without this mark. How would that have even been possible? 
in Bible times. Now, with the computer age, no problem. You're going to need things in order to be able to buy and sell. All these things are coming to pass. All these things are happening. So, is it near? Like near like before the football game's over? Or, I mean, what kind of near? You know, I mean, it's easy to say, yep, near. I've heard people my whole Christian life, yep, it's near. It's right at the door. Like, yeah, that's great, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get all excited. Let me ask you this question. How much difference does it make how near it is? Are you going to live your life differently if it was a month from now than if it was 10 years from now or a 100 or a 1,000 years? What difference is it going to make to you? If you need to know so that you can make some changes ahead of time, you're already in trouble. So, first point, Jesus will be in a different mood when He comes back. Second point, we're not sure when this is going to happen, but we can know the season. Third point, Here's the third point. Today is more important for you and me than that day will be. Today is more important for you and me than that day will be. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where I can make a choice. I will have no choices when Jesus comes riding in on the clouds. I will have no options. I will have no capacity to influence the situation in any way. It'll be done. And what comes to pass will come to pass. God's will will happen. It'll all occur. Today I have a choice. Today I have options. Today is more important for you and me than that day will be. Today is the day we make the choice. Today is the day that we will answer for on that day. Some people think that they can just, you know, put off God and then at the end just get right with God. You know he sees through that. If, if you actually succeed, like you're, you're in a car accident, you know, and you're careening off the cliff and you go, Lord, please forgive me. I'm very, very sorry. I've been repentant of everything. And then you show up before Jesus. Ha ha, I did it. Gotcha. I'm in. Joker. And he's going to be like, yeah, guess what? I call the shots. We'll see you. You can't like trick him. Today is more important. Today is the day you choose. Today you have options. Today, serial killers are forgiven. That's what happens today in the day of salvation. Let alone your stuff. 
be forgiven. And then live for Jesus. I got saved 25 years ago. You guys can go ahead and grab the elements for communion. We're taking communion today. I got saved 25 years ago. You know, I'm not going to be judged for the, the day before Jesus came. I'm going to be judged for the years that I knew what was going on. If Jesus came today, he would say, what did you do with your 25 years that you knew who I was? What did you do with them? It's not going to be 15 minutes. What did you do with those 25? And, you know, I've already, you know what you say. You guys know what to say? You say, Lord, have mercy on me. That's what you say. Thank you for what you did to make me clean. Lord, have mercy on me. That's what you say. You don't, don't, give, don't give them a list. Well, you see, we planted a church and then, and then we did this. And I, yeah, did. Just say, Lord, have mercy on me. That's all you need to do. <clears throat> Today is the day that you choose. Today is the day that you answer for on the day of judgment. So today is more important for you and me than that day. Today is more important. They're coming. You can tell them to come on in whenever they're ready. I'll tell a joke or something and try to <laughs> stall. I'm going to have the prayer team come forward. as they Go ahead and hand out the elements. You can hand out to the prayer team too. Um, <clears throat> we'll have individual prayer after the service is over. If you need prayer, man, oh man, today's the day. Today's the day you can choose. Today is the day that you can have, uh, boy, you can have God meet those needs. It doesn't happen on the day of judgment. It's over at that point. Today is the day that we choose. Thank you. Calling on last week's sermon. Heaven and earth know you have the capacity to choose. God has given you the ability to choose to follow Him or to choose to reject Him. To choose to embrace Him and live your life for Him or to hide from Him. Heaven and earth know that you have that capacity. It's been given to you by God. I tell you today, choose to follow Jesus. If, you're, if you've been a Christian a long time, today is a good day to re-up. To say, yes, Lord, I'm in. If you don't know Jesus and you, you've, somebody brought you to church and you're not quite sure why you're here, today is your day to choose to follow Jesus. You'll understand that more as time goes on. But today is the day. We're going to celebrate communion. You can just hang on to this stuff. We'll do it all together. Um, if you don't want to participate in this, you sure don't have to. We're not trying to make anybody do it. But um, What we do with communion, Jesus said at the Last Supper, He said to do this in remembrance of Him, that His body was broken for us. His body is broken that we may be healed. And His blood was shed for us. His blood was shed that we may be forgiven. So in these elements, we have healing and forgiveness. Wonderful, wonderful promises from God. Wonderful things to receive.
on Judgment Day, being basically a good person and having a vague sense of the existence of God is not sufficient. You need Jesus as your Lord. That means if Jesus says do this, you say, yes, sir. Jesus says love your neighbor, you say, yes, sir. You don't say, well, you don't know my neighbor. My neighbor's a jerk. He says, love your neighbor. You say, yes, sir. Jesus says, you need to forgive. You say, yes, sir. You know, the only time in the scriptures where I see Jesus basically saying, hey, just do what you're told, is with forgiveness. He says, you're not getting a medal for forgiving people. You're not, you're not getting anything. Should the servant be thanked when he comes in and waits on the master, he says? So with you. Do what you're told. You forgive. You don't get a medal for forgiving people. It's just expected. If you make Jesus your Lord, His promise is that He will be your Savior. That He will rescue you on the day of judgment. That the fire reserved for this earth is not reserved for you. That the destruction that comes on people is not for you. But He will protect you the one on the white horse with the iron scepter who is crushing the nations is the one who will say, all right, you're with me. You're safe. Today is the day we choose that, not that day.